Welcome to Granica. Can I get you something to drink? I'm talking to Bar Granica owner Jeff May. I guess when you sit down in a restaurant with a big microphone, you get special attention. Just water right now. Um, you talk, what, what's a croquetta exactly? I know what croquettas are, sort of. I've had them, I know they're delicious, but I don't actually know what they are. It's a Basque appetizer. It's ground chicken, flour, buttered onion. And you make a dough, chill it overnight, and then roll it in little balls, and then fry it. So it's going to be crispy on the outside, but nice and creamy on the inside. Oh, that sounds amazing. Do you have any recommendation for main course? I recommend the Salomo with the croquetas. I don't, I've never had that. The Salomo is a marinated pork loin, marinated in a sweet pepper sauce. Idaho has a larger percentage of Basque Americans in its population than any other state, hence multiple Basque restaurants, like Guernica in downtown Boise. We're known for uh, a lot of our lamb dishes, so the lamb stew is spectacular. The spicy lamb grinder is also uh, wonderful. Living with a lot of Basques, Idahoans tend to know more about them than people in most of the rest of the country, and the rest of the world for that matter. But sometimes what we know about them is wrong. And often, it's quite different from what everybody else knows. Idahoans tend to have a different perception and tell different stories about who the Basques are than you'll hear most anywhere else. I'm Adam Cotterell, and this is Some of the Parts, a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. More than 7,000 Idahoans self-identified as Basque on the 2010 census, and that's probably just a fraction of the actual number of people descended from Basque immigrants. Before we get to the ways that Idaho's perception of Basques is unique, let's talk about who they are and why they came to Idaho. The Basque country is sort of a triangle of land in northern Spain and southern France. It has a long Atlantic coast and then climbs into the mountains. Look on a map of Spain for the city Bilbao, and you're there. For why they came to Idaho, I'll get help from someone who is really into his Basque heritage, even though he has a German name. Beter, B as in boy, I-E-T-E-R. No, that's not Boise Mayor Dave Beter, but I bet I had a few of you thinking that for a second. This is his brother, John Beter, history professor and co-director of Boise State University's Basque Studies program. Yep, Basque Studies. It's a thing. Beter says the first Basques came to Idaho during the gold rush, but they came from South America via California. It wasn't till right after statehood in 1890 that the mass immigration from Europe started. And those people came for a less shiny, more fuzzy economic draw. Those are sheep. Sheep make weird noises. You know how when people try to do animal noises, it almost never sounds like a cow or a horse or a cat? Sheep sometimes sound so much like a person doing a sheep noise, I look around for the practical joker. All right, enough, enough. Just before and for a few decades after the turn of the 20th century, Idaho was in a sheep boom. Around 1910, 1915, there were 10 times as many sheep as people in Idaho, and ranchers needed labor they advertised in Europe, and Basques responded. Beter says there were a lot of young Basques looking for economic opportunity. And an opportunity in the American West that doesn't require language, because I don't know any of them that had any kind of English fluency before they came over. They had very little education when they came over, which meant it left the occupations pretty limited. Beter says most of the Basques that came to Idaho were from inland villages, not many from the coast, and next to none from the cities. They were mostly poor and grew up on small farms. 
Beter says a lot of Idahoans know at least the bones of this story. He says if you stood on a street in most American cities and asked people who the Basques are, maybe one in ten would have even heard of them. But Boise would be different. I would say if you asked ten people, five, six would have a sense, yeah, Basque people came from Spain, sheep herding connection there, two or three... I'm a newcomer here, I don't understand. Maybe, you know, foggy, and then some won't have any idea at all. I'm curious. I want to find out. All right, Beater, challenge accepted. I figure the place where people would have the best chance would be the downtown street known as the Basque Block. I did this last fall on a nice day. I asked a bunch of people, who are the Basques, and why did they come to Idaho? So the Basque people, as I understand it, are people living in the coastal areas of Spain and France. And, uh, I mean, why wouldn't they want to come to Idaho? They were sheep herders, so they established a huge community here doing work from the old country because that's what they, they knew how to do very well. They're very good at it, I guess. That's what their specialty was. Oh, gosh, I don't know anything about the Basque community. I'm from California. They originated between uh, Spain and France in the mountains, the Pyrenees, and they got here because they wanted to come to the States, and their natural job was to be sheep herders. And so they migrated to Idaho because we had a lot of sheep operations here. They were very industrious, and as a, as a hard-working group, they settled in, and pretty soon they owned the sheep operations that they were working for. Oh, Basques, it's Spain culture, right? They came to Idaho. Um, well, they came to Idaho. I know their culture is in shepherding. And uh, did they come to Idaho? There was a lot of turmoil in their country, I believe, over in Spain, I believe. I don't know. Beter's guess was pretty spot on. Plus, everyone who grew up in Idaho knew at least they came from Spain to herd sheep. But people who moved here as adults were less sure on the details or had no idea. Of course, there are people in Idaho who know a lot about this topic. The fourth or fifth time I strolled past the Boise Basque Museum and Cultural Center with my microphone, a head popped out the door and called out, hey, come over here. Museum volunteer Gail Hatch and another volunteer wanted to know just what I was doing. We'd been watching you and she says, go ask her. Okay. When I explained, Hatch was excited and immediately brought up what I'm guessing is a pet peeve, a common misconception about Basque migration to Idaho. People think that Basque came here because they were some world-renowned um, sheep herders. Well, that was not the case. They needed work. The very small farms went to the oldest child, and they would often have large families. Then the rest of them would have to go find work elsewhere. So when sheep owners over here started advertising and wanting people to come work for them, it was like my uncle used to say, I was hungry, I went. So they came over to fulfill a job that others apparently didn't want, and the sheep didn't care what language they spoke. <laughs> or if they were world-renowned sheep herders or not. Exactly. Professor John Beter backs Hatch up on that. Basques who came to Idaho, he says, might have had a sheep or two back home, but many had no shepherding experience at all. It was just a job, and they were willing. There's another common misconception that Idahoans have that is not shared by other people who know who the Basques are. Part of the narrative in Idaho is that during the big migration around the turn of the 20th century, the Basque country was poor. This is what actually started me thinking about how Idahoans see Basques very differently than other people. About a decade ago, I was teaching English at a university in China. 
I got to be good friends with another teacher in the foreign language department. Enrique was from Valencia on the central Mediterranean coast of Spain. He was a really good cook and used to have us over to eat. Now, if I say anything in this story that makes my Basque friends and neighbors mad, it will be this. Basque food and Spanish food are exactly the same. They're amazing, but they're the same thing. Anyway, during one of these meals, I told Kike if he ever came to Boise, I'd take him to our great Basque restaurants. He sort of froze, dumbfounded, I think, that we had Basque restaurants in our frontier settlement. I explained to him about Idaho's big Basque population, how they came to Idaho to herd sheep a century ago. He was utterly confused, because where he comes from, people think of the Basques as rich. And he says when these supposedly poor shepherds were coming to Idaho was when the Basque country became rich. Okay, as the Industrial Revolution spread down from northern Europe, northern Spain built factories and got rich, and southern Spain stayed agrarian and poor. I think there's some resentment over that down south. John Beter says, yeah, at the same time poor Basques from the country were migrating to Idaho, cities like Bilbao were booming. And tons of poor Basques from the country were flocking to them. He says this is a big mystery for Basque historians. You've asked one of the questions I have struggled to answer for a long, long time. I wanted to ask my grandfather, who I never knew. He grew up on a farmhouse outside of Bilbao, maybe four or five kilometers from Bilbao. To ask him, why didn't you just go down the hill and get a job in town? Why did you go 6,000 miles away to get the job? He says Basque scholars have some guesses about why this happened. The Basque country was experiencing a population boom, and maybe the cities, even growing as fast as they were, couldn't absorb all the new people, so some had to have somewhere else to go. Another guess is that the idea of going to Idaho was seen as less of a big deal than going into the nearest city and getting a job in the factory. I'm going to go to the United States, I'll work three, four years, I'll make enough money to come back and buy this farm on my own. Whereas a move to the city may have been seen as, it's all over, once I go down to the city, I'm never going to come back to this life I know, which is my identity. So going four miles into the city was seen as a bigger transition than going halfway across the world? Because they viewed it as temporary. I'm coming back. Beter says this idea makes sense if you know Basque history and culture. He says the Basques had been sailors for centuries. They were among the earliest commercial whalers. They had crewed the ships of Columbus and other explorers. And archaeologists believe that, like the Vikings, Basques visited Canada before Columbus got to the Caribbean. So industrialization was new and maybe kind of scary, but getting on a boat and not coming back for a few years was no big deal. Peter says the Basque migration to Idaho parallels other European immigration stories in most ways, but this is an exception. Italians, for example, were coming to the U.S. in huge numbers at the same time Basques were coming to Idaho, but nearly all of the Italian immigrants came from poor agrarian South Italy. Hardly anybody left from wealthier industrializing North Italy. Italians, of course, came by the millions to places all over the U.S., and Basques came by the thousands, pretty much just to Idaho and northern Nevada. By the way, most of what I say here about Basques in Idaho can also be said about Nevada. So if you want, every time I say Idaho, you can mentally add, and northern Nevada. Idahoans are far more likely to know who the Basques are than most anyone else in this country. We're also far more likely to have a positive impression of them, though Beter says that wasn't always the case. He says, like every single immigrant group in the history of the U.S., 
Basques were disliked and distrusted. He often shows his students a 1907 article from a Treasure Valley newspaper about Basques. They're clannish, meddlesome, and foul-smelling, a quote, and unless something is done with them, they're going to wreak havoc on the white man. Of course, now the idea that Basques aren't white seems ridiculous. But that was 1907, when just being Catholic was enough to get someone excluded from the club. Sixty years later, when Idaho needed something cool to send to the World's Fair, it picked a group of Basque dancers. And that same newspaper of the foul-smelling comment argued in favor of that. By the mid-20th century, Idaho as a whole saw Basques as just different enough to be exotic, but familiar enough to be safe. Now, if you've been listening to this and thinking, what about terrorism? Why has any mentioned that? You're probably not originally from Idaho. Remember, Beter said if we did our stopping people on the street experiment in most American cities, probably just one person in 10 would have heard of the Basques. Well, he says that one person in 10 would only know one thing about them. Etta and terrorism. In the second half of the 20th century, Basque nationalists started promoting violence to bring about independence from Spain. From the late 60s to 2010, the group ETA is credited with killing more than 800 people, mostly Spanish police and military officers. That appears to be over. ETA called a ceasefire in 2010 and publicly renounced violence in 2011. But for more than four decades, if the word Basque ever got mentioned on the American news, it was in connection with terrorism. But in Idaho, that's almost never talked about. It seems kind of taboo, in fact. When I asked my questions in downtown Boise, I got one mention of terrorism and ETA from a man who, yes, was not originally from Idaho. There's some people that link them with terrorists, I think. ETA and all that. That's, that's true. That last part was to a friend he was walking with who started giving him hand signals as soon as he said terrorism. Like he was saying, nope, nope, don't talk about that. John Beter says maybe Basque Idahoans don't talk about it because it's outside of their Basque identity. Basque nationalism certainly existed 100 years ago, but it was an urban intellectual phenomenon. And remember, most of the Basques who came to Idaho were uneducated and from the countryside. Those that came had great allegiance to their village, to their families, to their language, to their culture, to their traditions. But not to some imagined future Basque nation. Plus, by the time the idea of nationalism spawned a violent movement, most Idaho Basque families had been here for a few generations. But ETA and terrorism isn't just a taboo topic for Basque Idahoans. It seems to be that way for the state as a whole. Peter says, sure, like the rest of the country, Idahoans for decades saw stories in the morning paper about the latest ETA assassination. I think what they're reading there doesn't jive with what it is that they've experienced here. And so their experience tends to trump this wider narrative, and they tend to dismiss that more and tend to rely much more on the local. So maybe after a hypothetical Idahoan reads the Etta story, she turns the page and reads something about Idaho's Secretary of State, who was Basque, if this was happening anytime between 1967 and 2014. Then she leaves for work and waves to Mr. Goikichia next door. At work, she chats with her friend, whose last name is Todorica. You get the idea. For many Americans, Basque means terrorist. In Idaho, it means something else. So I think we only have room in our minds for the meaning that has meaning for us. You know what I mean? Anyway, John Beter gets news alerts for all things Basque. 
He is a Basque Studies professor, after all. He says for a long time, the only thing that came up was ETA. But in the last few years, he says that's changed. Today, it's almost always connected with culinary arts, with food, with wine. So I run my theory by Peter that Basque food and Spanish food is exactly the same. It's, it's, it's similar because of geography and topography and climate. It's going to share many, many similarities. But he says what Basques are really good at across the board, but in food as well, is adopting and adapting. They take stuff that other people do and make it uniquely their own. Peter says Basque food is becoming really popular around the world. It's getting enormous attention for how they've taken kind of traditional dishes and reimagined them to a contemporary diet and a contemporary style of life. A quick Googling shows a lot more restaurants labeled Basque in New York City than in the Boise area, even though Boise has way more people of Basque descent. I don't think that would have been the case 10 years ago. So maybe we're at a point in history where what Idahoans think about Basques and what the rest of the world thinks about Basques is becoming a lot closer. At least on this point, croquettas are amazing. I'm Adam Cotterell, and this is Some of the Parts, a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. I write it and produce it. Paul Stribling is Boise State Public Radio's programming director, and he oversees this project. Lacey Daly is our digital content coordinator. She coordinates the heck out of this particular digital content. Our theme song is by Up Is The Down Is The. Am I saying that right? Up Is The Down Is The. Logo designed by Julia Green Illustration. The music you're hearing now is by Boise band Amuma Says No. You know, when I first told John Beter I was starting a podcast, he thought there were more productive or practical things I could do. Why don't you just go down the hill and get a job in town? Next time on Some of the Parts, love and dating and finding a mate can be difficult no matter where you live. But if you live on a farm in Idaho, it might be even harder. When I was 36, I started thinking, you know, if you want to have kids, you better get started. So I started getting more aggressive about it, and uh, it didn't work. That episode available starting April 27th on Some of the Parts.